Your money, your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. Today is the Power Hour. I've got the guys from Pittsburgh Power joining me. We'll take your calls and answer your questions about everything maintenance. Engines, performance, fuel mileage, upgrades, modifications, troubleshooting, emissions, new technology. You name it, we'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call. We're going to get to those calls in just a little bit. I want to bring the guys in from Pittsburgh Power today. We've got Bruce, John, Ethan. Welcome back, guys. Kevin, thank you for having us. As always, it's a pleasure. Great to be here, Kevin. Good to be here, Kevin. All right. So, uh, boy, so much stuff going on in technology, John. I know you and I have been swapping articles back and forth, and I'm trying to keep up with all the reading, but there's a lot going on right now. There, it amazes me. Uh, when I think there's a lot going on, I, I, I do a little research or go visit somebody and find out there is way more going on than I thought. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's pretty amazing, the influx of cash into the, into the industry and the direction things are going. And uh, I think so much has been happening behind the scenes that we don't know about that uh, a lot of stuff's going to surface very quickly. You know, we were kind of stuck on the ELD thing for a couple months because that was the big news. Well, that's happening on December 18th, so we can kind of move beyond that. I've been back uh, throughout that whole time I was bookmarking all the autonomous technology, and that is moving so fast. Did you happen to see the shuttle they started in Las Vegas? Yes, I did. I saw that. The interesting thing was, because, it, you know, anytime you talk about autonomous technology, people will just start in immediately. We'll wait till one crashes, wait till one kills somebody. And I've been saying from day one, they are going to crash and they are going to kill somebody. It, it, it's going to happen, but it's not going to stop anything. You know, we kill 100 people a day now on the roads. We think that's no big deal. Um, ultimately, it's the autonomous technology that's going to save lives. That's already happening. We already have lane departure, you know, oh. automatic braking. Those things are saving lives every day. Oh, absolutely. That article that you posted by Bob Letts was the one that really struck me whenever he really uh, dug a little deeper into the knock-on effects, like things like insurance companies. Oh. You know, their, their insurance rates are going to have to go down. Yeah. They're going to make less money. You know, in the end, they are going to crash less. Insurance is going to cost less. It's going to be way safer than, than, you know, someone who's exhausted driving. It's, it's, uh, it's crazy. And I, I, I hadn't thought that deep. I didn't think of all of the, you know, all, all of the ramifications of it. That, that was an eye opening article. I mean, he, his predictions may be kind of way out there. Uh, maybe not though. And it really gets you thinking about all of the impacts and you're right. I didn't, I, I've put a lot of time and effort into this I didn't come anywhere near thinking about some of the things he's talking about in there. The the you know when I saw the launch of the shuttle in Las Vegas, completely driverless, just running around on its own, and then a couple hours later, I saw that it got into an accident. And I thought, oh boy, here we go. But it turns out <laughs> the shuttle did nothing wrong. 
it was a tractor trailer backing up without seeing it there, and the shuttle stopped, did everything it could do, and, you know, the truck still ran into it. So that, that was kind of uh, <laughs> that was kind of Go figure. Yeah. Um, I posted today there's another company, Embark, that has this technology. They are delivering um, refrigerators from Texas to California with level two automation. So there's a driver in the truck. But when it's on the interstate, the truck's driving itself uh, more along the lines of the Tesla, you know, autopilot kind of feature. But, I mean, this stuff's happening. It's happening fast. That's what I mean. I think it's already happened. I think there's a whole lot of stuff that's gone on, like I said, behind the scenes that was pretty quiet uh, that uh, is now just coming, just surfacing. It's uh, like, it's 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 a, an interesting time. I, I uh you know, I think it's probably twenty or thirty years down the road. Uh, you know, not, not not the two or three that I that I said in my text, but uh, you know, do do a multiplier of ten on that. I was, I think, I was about two glasses of wine in whenever I sent you that one. <laughs> so uh, it's it's definitely, uh, yeah, it's it's going to happen for sure. Well, and here's the thing: I want people to realize we don't know when we're going to see fully autonomous trucks running up and down the road with no driver. I, I have no idea. I don't even want to put a number on it because I. I just have a feeling there's so much we don't know. What I want people to understand, though, is it's happening right now. No matter what level it is, it's going to affect drivers, and we need to be paying attention to it. There's going to be opportunities or there's going to be you know stuff we need to be paying attention to because it is happening right now. There's lots of uh, talk of platooning going on. So it, it is going to change our industry. I don't know how yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, th- I consider this a heads up when we talk about this. It's not that, you know, it's not doom and gloom for our drivers. I'm, I'm sure this current generation of drivers is just fine, but educate your children well, you know, to be ready for, for a change. And, you know, look at it and figure out how to capitalize on it. Don't, uh, don't, don't let it bother you. Uh, to me, that's just, uh, you know, it's just, just a heads up. And, you know, on our end, they'll always break. I mean, bearings are always going to wear out. Engines right. are always going to wear out. So, you know, from our standpoint, uh, we've got, you know, we'll have some systems to learn. We'll have to stay sharp. We'll have to continue to hire uh, sharp engineers and keep, uh, you know, keep everything up to date here and stay on top of it. But, you know, there's, you know, the mechanics are always going to wear out. That's that's not the issue. You know, from the driver standpoint, you know, I'm, I'm sure this generation's just fine. But a generation from now, I don't know that, you know, it's going to be the job that it was. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's interesting timing because I just read another article about how many current drivers will be retiring soon. We have a huge group of drivers that are about to retire. So they're clearly not going to be affected by this at all. There's going to be lots and lots of truck driving jobs for a long time, but they could be changing. And, you know, one of the changes is actually really positive. And that's why I want to pay attention to this. Like you said, it's not all doom and gloom. We're not here to say you're going to be out of job. Where are the opportunities? One of the first things I'm seeing, and when you look at this um, operation that's going to deliver refrigerators from Texas to California, what they're doing is saying, look, we're going to create more local jobs for drivers because that technology is still much further away. Trying to get a truck to drive around in the city by itself we're not close to that yet. 
there's there's a lot of hurdles we have to overcome. But putting a truck on a long interstate and letting it drive by itself, not all that complicated. We're doing it already. So we could see a shift in the industry that could be positive in that there could be a lot more local and regional opportunities as the long-haul stuff transitions to more autonomous. And, and that would be a good thing. Maybe we'll see more opportunities for drivers to stay a lot closer to home and still make money. And I think we're seeing some preparation for that now with a lot of the uh, – there was a post on one of your viewers uh, – Something you post about ELDs, I think, uh, the driver was talking about how they go to uh, a, uh, a yard, basically, just outside of a city, and, the, you know, the, the big over-the-road guys don't even have to go into the city. So the supply chain seems to be adapting already or being set up for such things right now. So, but, you know, so job, you know, work for pups and work for uh, straight jobs is probably going to be, be huge. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, it, you know, there could be some real benefits that come out of this early on, so I just want to... Stay on top of it. It's a lot of reading, but uh, it's interesting where we're going. On, on the other side of things, I see uh, Tesla's finally going to unveil their truck Thursday, their electric truck. Thursday night, yeah. So I'll be watching. Yeah, I'll, I'll be watching too. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, it's interesting because they announced, but then they weren't ready to kind of reveal, and a whole bunch of other manufacturers jumped out, you know, with, with their own announcements. But I don't think anybody will get nearly as much press as Tesla is going to. No, they won't. Yeah, definitely not. Uh, you, the, you know, I told you my, my, my visit to Hylion last week, and that's here and now. And to me, that form of hybridization is, is exactly what's needed at the moment uh, to pioneer the rest of it. Uh, it, it's it's brilliant. It's a really really clever idea. It's exactly what we've been talking about with the uh, the powered axle. Uh, it works really well. They're going to keep it reasonably priced. Uh, uh, they've been you know they're probably selling the things at a loss right now to flood the market or to try to get the get more of them out there and maybe just increase uh, uh, their buying power on parts. But uh, what I saw over there was amazing. They had. Uh, five or six installations going on. They've got a whole test facility. They've got the ability to simulate. Uh, it, it's amazing. Uh, it's really, really, you know, a little company that was here in Pittsburgh for about three years, and I've only known of them for two. Uh, the, the way it's grown by leaps and bounds is, is unbelievable. So it's uh, that's happening, and that's here and now, and, and, and they are interested in our market. So I'll, I'll keep you guys updated on that. Excellent. We're going to get to a break. We're going to come right back. We've got lots more stuff to your calls and questions right after this. Stick around.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. Got Bruce and John and Ethan with me from Pittsburgh Power. We're going to uh, get to your calls here in just a little bit. So, John, that that is exciting, and uh, I want to figure out a time I can get out there. I would love to see that because I, I think that's something, like you say, it's here, it's already happening, and it looks like there are huge improvements. It is. It's pretty amazing. Everything you look at about it, uh, the way they cool the batteries is really uh, ingenious. These refrigeration system uh, that also ends up being the AC system for the uh, for the for the sleeper. They've got everything nicely integrated. Uh, though the operation of it is still autonomous, it's uh, there's there are no controls that the driver needs to even pay attention to. Uh, it's 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 really clever. Uh, it's really really clever. They got some monitoring stuff inside, but. It uh, uses GPS to know if the truck's going up and down a hill and knows when to help and knows when to generate electricity, and it's it's really clever. Uh, that's all I can say. It's really, really clever. And it's seemingly simple, you know, it, it's, it's, but it's not. You know, it, uh, yeah. yeah, just changed the axle for this one, but all the controls and everything are very, very well thought. Uh, there's uh, a lot a lot was put into it, and, you know, they're they're having a ton of success with the test trucks they've got out there now. So it's working really well. You know, that's exciting. As we were approaching but, this 10-mile-per-gallon mark, and, and, you know, we had a couple people breaking it consistently, but barely, and, and you know, thinking about, you know, could we get to 11? You know, 10 was a real push. Could we get to 11? And, and when I was looking at all the technology available, I thought, I'm just not sure if we can. You know, right now there's only so much we can do with aerodynamics. We're, we're not going to make any major changes to those. And the the manufacturers have done a, a tremendous job improving aerodynamics over the years. We're not going to see any big breakthrough there. We're not going to see any big breakthrough. Or there's nothing that I'm aware of in engine technology. It's certainly getting better all the time. But I, I kept saying if we're going to see any more significant increases, if we're going to talk about getting to 11 on a regular basis or 12, there's going to have to be some new technology, something we don't have. It's not going to be an incremental change right now. We need something new, and I think this is it. Uh, I agree. You know, you know nothing's free. We, we discuss this all the time but we can store, and current battery technology is really what drives this, and motor technology as well. But the ability to store energy uh, is, is that's that's the home run. You know, that's it right there. So the battery technology and the way it's grown uh, leaps and bounds over the past couple of years is giving given that ability, and it will continue to grow. It's only going to get better. So now that you can recover some energy, you've got all that weight going up and down the road, I mean, and up and down hills, there's no reason you can't store it. And if you have enough storage, well, then, you know, you have that much more that you could take. And if you work in, you know, a plug-in scheme as well, you know, with a friendly partner in the business as these guys have, uh, you've got the flatlands covered too. So they've, uh, it, it's really clever. It's, it's just, uh, it, it really has changed things. When I came on here, you know, Bruce said, hey, give me a 10-mile-per-gallon mile truck or 11-mile-per-gallon truck, and, you know, we'll change the world. That happened in the last two years. I mean, we, we do have one with Steve Crone. There, there's one guy out there that, that, that does it consistently that uh, luckily we've helped along with that program, but he uh, he's not your average. You know, he right. pays more attention to aero and, and, uh, and rolling resistance and uh, drag of all sorts than anybody I've ever met. But uh, 
you know, so he's our first candidate for an owner operator uh, owner operator to get one of the electric axles. So we'll see where he ends up. He's probably going to be he's probably going to be over fifteen. <laughs> so <laughs> that'll that'll be yeah. interesting on on his old on his old international. So we're going to put an axle under it that's worth worth more than the truck. <laughs> yeah, you know that that'll be interesting. He, you know, back in uh, I think yeah. it was around oh five or so. Um, Walmart, and this is mm-hmm. when they first started talking about the super truck concept, and Walmart was a big part of it. They came out and made the claim that by 2015, they would have trucks getting 15 miles to the gallon. Well, obviously, they fell short, but there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you set big goals, and if you fall short, so what? Uh, you still accomplish a lot. So, you know, it, it's interesting to see we are moving that way in 15 miles of the gallon is starting to look more realistic. You know, you talk about storage, and and that is the key. And if we can store, you know, we have this axle that's recovering energy and storing it. That's excellent. What about really efficient solar panels on the entire trailer? Another area to store from. And, And if we have that storage, then we can start looking at all the different ways of getting the energy in there. Yeah, that's all in the plan with these guys. They've also got a, uh, they've done some math where the battery will also trickle charge off of the truck. You know, they, they, they've figured the, uh, where there's not enough drag to make a difference where the gains will actually, you know, outweigh the, outweigh the drag of, uh, of charging the batteries off the truck as it goes down the road on the flat as well. So it's, again, that's everything. It's just, uh, it really is going to change things. It's, it's going to be hard. It'll be hard to compete with a truck that gets six or seven miles to the gallon in the near future. I, I believe so. Uh, how? What about I, the idea? I think the uh, the driver shortage is taking care of that for now, but I don't know what's going to happen if, if that ever corrects itself. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, there's a lot going on. What about the idea? Now I'm kind of really out there, but if we have this storage and we're looking at all the different ways to top off that storage, whether it's the axles, obviously those are highly sophisticated solar which could do it um you talked about even pulling some off the alternator finding that sweet spot where you're actually you have an energy gain what about using NACA ducts and wind generators oh absolutely yeah that that's a possibility as well you know pull air in with a NACA duct so you're not interfering with the aerodynamic flow on the outside but there's still energy to be had there Right, yeah, speed there up and run it over some sort of paddle wheel or a, 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 some sort of turbine that spins and spins a small generator, and let it let it generate a little bit. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, interesting stuff. All right, you guys have anything else this week? Yeah, I do. Yeah, uh, I'm not sure. Oh, go ahead, Bruce. I want to say that I'm still getting phone calls from people that had their engines rebuilt recently by other shops. Uh, every 60,000 miles, this one guy is going through a head gasket. His line of protrusion on his 60 series is at one thousandth. And we tell people you should take that up to four thousandths. Uh, shops just are not paying attention to line of protrusion. And truck stop tuners are still advancing timing and breaking parts, breaking pistons, breaking liners. Uh, making engines work harder against themselves. Sure, the driver feels like he's got power, but once you set the timing and the parameters properly in the ECM, we feel it run along much freer. And we are lowering our price on some of our uh, ECM tune-ups. 
Like if you want a 500 horse to the ground, it's going to be $650. That gives you about 588 flywheel horsepower. Now, if you have problems in the ECM and the battery's bad, and that's additional on top of that 650. But so we're we're trying to bring the prices down as we're getting better with the ECMs. That's all. Also, tremendous amount of big cam Cummins coming back onto the road. People running local. People hauling asphalt, logging things like that. Um, we stock more big cam parts and still build fuel pumps and injectors here. But we stock more big cam parts than anybody in North America. So. Even had uh, Cummins refer a guy to us in Atlanta, Georgia, for big cam parts. So I was pretty happy with that. Interesting. Lots of lots of new technology and still room for really old school stuff when it makes sense. Well, you know, uh, the autonomous trucks aren't going to be hauling logs, and it's not going to be. I'm not going to say it's not going to be out in the fields loading grain and corn and things and and all the local running and all the specialized hauling. So I think they'll be owner-operators here for as long as the rest of us are still on this earth. Yeah, yeah, we still have plenty of time. It's just, and again, I just want to make sure people are aware of what's happening because it's it's changing the industry already. But But so is, you know, we're seeing changes of people in certain operations going back to that big camp. I mean, that's a change. It's just, you know, being aware of what's going mm-hmm. on and staying on top of it. Hey, I want to tell you a story. Uh, we have a client in Punta Gorda that has a fleet of triaxle dump trucks, some big Kim, some newer. But when the hurricane comes, he surrounds his house. Like the old Conestoga wagons made the circle at night. He surrounds his house with his triaxle dump trucks, and guess what? The hurricane blows right over and does zero damage. <laughs> That's interesting. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. And I guess a 100-mile-an-hour wind's not going to blow the truck into the house. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder how much wind that would take. I wonder if 150 would move the truck. <laughs> I don't know. What it would take but, to move the truck? Yeah. <laughs> he sent us pictures. He sent us pictures, and I said, man, that's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah. What a way to protect your home. Interesting. All right, we've got to get to a break. When we come back, John, I know you had something else. We'll, uh, we'll be getting to some calls as well. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. We're going to get to your calls and questions here in just a minute. I've got Bruce and John and Ethan with me. Uh, John, did you have something else? I do. I've got a got a Dorothy update. It's and it's not all good. We uh, experiencing some issues with the newest, maybe the newest update in the DD15s, where the thing's sensing it and causing a check engine light. So. That's uh, kind of been a little bit of a setback. We had a couple of them we're building a higher flow model for. Uh, we had a similar issue with the X15 only, not the uh, CM22 or 2350. Those are working great. That 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 one is actually uh, that one's catching the most soot and seems to be having the best result of any of the ones that we've done is the Cummins. Uh, the Detroit. Uh, I know Tad's experiencing some issues right now too, but I don't believe they're related to the Dorothy. I think he's got other problems, but. Uh, most of the DD-15s, the earlier DD-15s, we've not had any problems with. But the the latest, if it's got the latest update in, I think they've made the program a little more sensitive to EGR flow, and it's noticing it. So that's not all good. Um, I've also updated the website. We're no longer taking deposits on it. But if you've got a deposit, what I need you to do, uh, other than remain to be patient, is if you could come here and have us do the install, I'd greatly appreciate it because uh, I need to build jigs and I need to get these things kitted up, and it's proven to be a little more difficult than I'd ever anticipated uh, with all the different engine, chassis, you know, installation combinations. Uh, it's really, really tough to get something built up that would be an easy bolt-on for you out in the field. So if you could get by here, if you've got one of the deposits, and I'll be reaching out to everybody who's got a deposit here shortly, but don't be afraid to call, and we'll move you up. We'll bump the schedule up to get you in quickly, and we'll get it installed here. And that also gives me the opportunity to build a jig off of the one that I built for your truck so that I can build kits in the future. So uh, that's where we are on that. We've got uh, about 40 of them in stock right now, so we can produce. Uh, I just need to get the trucks through here. Got it. Perfect. Let's uh, let's... All right, I have Oh, go ahead, Bruce. I have one other thing. We have everything finalized for the first owner-operator snowmobile conference in Mount Pleasant, Utah. We will be riding on the Skyline Drive. It's an absolutely gorgeous place. We're staying at the Horseshoe Mountain Lodge, and the phone number is 435-6, I'm sorry, 4629330 let me say that again 4354629330 it's january 25th through the 29th we already have our speakers and the uh, rooms are anywhere from 75 to 80 dollars per night and there are snowmobile rentals in the area However, we and trailers available, we'd have to figure out how we're going to get those to the mountain. It's a five-mile drive for those who want to rent a sled. It would be best if you could drive in in your own pickup or um, SUV and have a trailer hitch on the back. Got it. And we have 10 rooms already rented. So There you go. All right, good That's stuff. Let's, uh, let's get to some phone calls. We're going to start off in Florida today. Alex, welcome to the program. Hi, uh, I have a que- uh, very fast question. Freightliner, uh, 2017 Cascadia, 80,000 miles, and 65 miles an hour is a uh, side mirror vibration very heavy. It's kind of hard to look at. Do you know any reason why it's happening? 
Well, how many miles are on the truck? 80,000 miles. 80,000. Have you done yes. an, an alignment so yet? Brand, so it's a brand new it's a brand new truck. Yeah, brand new truck and no vibration in the beginning and the more I drive the more vibration I see. Have you uh have you had alignment checked yet? Yes, I did alignment yesterday, MD alignment and uh, Ocala, and the truck runs straight, everything looks good, and the vibration doesn't go away, it still vibrates the mirror. So if you, and you say it's around it 60, 65 miles an hour? Yeah, it started at 60, and then if I go 72, it kind of smoothed it out a little bit, but the heavy vibration so. at 65. So if if you were to be going 65 and it's vibrating heavy and you either push in the clutch or put it in neutral and let it coast, does it immediately stop the vibration? Uh, If I go like at 72 with a full throttle, then no vibration. When I start like uh, posting down, no throttle. When I get at 65, I start getting more vibration in the mirror. So if I, I'm put on cruise control at 65, they still vibrate it. So what I'm trying to do is uh, kind of eliminate is, whether the engine okay. is causing the vibration or not. So if you can put it in neutral or push in the clutch and let the RPMs come way down, if the vibration goes away, then it's a good indication it was the engine. If it doesn't, then it's chassis or somewhere else. So it just gives us a better place to look. Okay, so right now I'm in neutral at 65, and it's vibration. Then it's not engine. So we and can, then, yeah, so it's going to be yeah. chassis somewhere. What I would do, if I were you, I would get to a good driveline shop, such as Western Truck Parts in Henderson, Colorado, and I would let my dealer, my truck dealer, know what I'm going to do and make sure that they're willing to pay to repair the drive shaft if it is the problem. Or let them take the drive shaft out and take it to a drive shaft shop. But that's where I would start would be the drive shaft. But first I would balance the tires and the wheels. And second I would do the drive shaft. I, would do the drive shaft. I okay, agree. Okay, balance the tire on which option is the best one? I don't know. Have somebody ride beside you and look over and tell you if they see a tire that's bouncing. I would also just, you know, with a simple runout gauge, just check all the radial runout as well. Because you could have a tire that's balanced but not round. So I would also check radial runout. That's a fairly easy check. Great suggestion. All right. Thank you. All right, let's head off to Pennsylvania. Brian, welcome to the program. Hey, guys, thanks for taking my call. Um, I had a question about my transmission. Um, It's been becoming more difficult to shift as far as getting it to come out of gear or go into gear. It's like my stick's made of rubber. Is that... Could that be something easy and cheap, or should I just start saving for a new transmission? How many miles are on the transmission? Um, I'm not 
100% sure. I have 850 on the chassis, but it is a remam, but it was done a long time ago. I don't have a well, record on it. Is the clutch okay? Yeah, it seems to be. I would pull the transmission out and take it to a good transmission shop, one that rebuilds yours, and let them go through it. You're going to have between 2500 and 3500 in doing the transmission, and then you'll have your labor taking it in and out. And being you're at 850 you should do the drive shaft, too, which is about $1,200. Okay. Thanks, Bruce. You're welcome. All right. We are off to, well, we're going to stay right there in Pennsylvania. Daniel, welcome to the program. How y'all doing today? Good. What's on your mind? Um, Good. Well, I've got a Detroit Series 60, a D-Deck 4 model, 500 horse with the small waste-gated turbo, and occasionally intermittent, which is God, one of the most god-awful words when it comes to trying to diagnose anything, very intermittently and not all the time. Um and usually in the morning after I've let the truck warm up, I will get a, it's almost like the ignition is breaking up. I'll throttle, I can throttle through it, but then I will get a puff of a bluish white smoke out of the stack. And then the truck will run with no issues for the rest of the day. It won't break up. It won't do anything weird, but it kind of freaks me out a little bit. Hmm. Is the throttle spongy yeah, whenever you have that problem? Uh, no. Uh, it's more like I feel the engine like misfiring, and I my reaction is to just throttle through it to give it more throttle to break it through that. All right, let's uh, let's get to a break. We'll come back. We'll try to figure this one out right after this. Stick around. Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. We're down to the final segment. We're going to get back to the calls. We are going back to Pennsylvania. Daniel, go ahead, guys. I think it sounds to me like it's getting a gulp of air 
if the fuel line, the fuel suction line is really old, I would be replacing that and or the fuel filter head, and I would install the fast fuel system on it. But, Ethan, do you have anything electrical that could be causing that? Um, besides the air, which I would check for first, the what can happen is if you take a Series 60, like a PK, and program it to a BK, I've seen that happen before. It is a uh, BK, Bravo Kaiser. It is a factory Detroit reman, and it is it was built in, I want to say, June or July of 2016, and it's in a 2017 Freightliner Cascadia Glider. It's always so, worth checking, though, just to make sure they didn't put the wrong program in it from the start. Uh, yeah. It does happen from time to time. Okay. And uh, I don't think it has the fuel line. Okay. It has the, the Davco, I think it's a 340, smaller uh, external, the, the filter before the pump. And I think the micron rating is like 3 micron is the filter that they put on it. Uh, the Baldwin number is a PF7744. Wow. Well, then being it is a new glider, I don't think it's the fuel line. So... If you're in Pennsylvania, why don't you make an appointment and get by, and let's just check the electronics on it. Okay. I'll, uh, I'll have to I'll wind up calling your shop after the show here, and uh, we'll tr- see if we can get something scheduled up. Hey, usually for electrical work, we, we don't need a week and a half notice like we're doing mechanical work right now. Usually we can get you in within a day or two's notice. All right. We're off to Florida. Art, welcome to the program. Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are we doing today? Good. What can I we had help a, you with? I have a, I have a, uh, I ordered a new system from, not a system, a uh, oil purification of that little glass bottle for testing it. Okay. Now, how do you, how do you pull the oil out? Do you just drain it like you usually do and stick it under there and just get a sample or you got to suck it out or? Uh, I'll talk about a couple ways. I'll see if the guys have a preference. You can use what's called a vampire tube if you're not ready to change the oil or you don't want to lose a bunch out of the drain. Um, So it's just a long plastic tube. Put your thumb over it like, you know, pulling soda out. You stick it down the filler. Pull it out, yeah, Yeah. okay. It's one of the quickest, easiest ways. I'm almost ready for oil change anyways. Yeah, it, it it is a quicker, easier way. I do worry sometimes that we're going to get yeah. contaminants, you know, as you scrape down through there. Um, so if you're ready for an oil yeah, change, a better way is to pull the plug, let it flow for just a second or two, and then stick it in midstream and get it that way. Guys, you, do you have any preferences on yeah, how to get a sample? If he has the OPS-1 on there, he can... Take it out of that port. Yeah, that's the really not, easy way. Oh, got, that's, what I, that's what I got to. I got to purchase that yet. I was waiting to get up to uh, up to the shop there, and I was going to do everything, but I'm waiting for John to call me back on the program and the Dorothy. Okay, okay. I got that uh, Kevin, pack car. Oh, the pack car. Yeah, that's going to be a little while yet. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. But if we didn't, do unless, the you Dorothy, wanna, uh, unless you want to, unless you want to, unless you want to, unless you want to leave it with us for a few weeks. Uh, we did install uh, Dorothy on a I modern pack car, and we had flow issues with that. So I, the problem yeah, I've got with all the uh, 
everybody's got to go instantly. So I, I, I struggle with that sometimes. Yeah. But uh, we came up with a really nice design. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, uh, we're on like version two right now tune. for yeah. that. Okay. Okay. Yep. Now, could I get That's a Ethan's tune right there? I'll have Ethan do the... <laughs> Ethan? Ah, we're, we're still working on the pack right, right there. there. Yep. Okay. So you think springtime? Because I want to bring it up. I want to do an overhead and do a bunch of the stuff to it. And do the uh, EGR valve and everything else to get the cleaning. Do do a maintenance on it, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we could shoot yeah. for that. that that's, a, that's, a, that's an obtainable goal. I, I should have the Dorothy sorted out by then, no problem. Uh, I'm okay. pretty sure our new design is going to work on that. So that should uh, be doable for sure on the Dorothy and the maintenance okay. tuning. Uh, like I said, we'll see what, what Ethan comes up with there. Yeah, okay. I'd, re- you know, I'd, rather have the, I'd rather have the tuning first if you can do that, but it doesn't matter. Whatever comes up, but it's got to come up there by... I'm getting a, a little more regen right now, so... I've got the APU okay. fixed, so it doesn't idle anymore. So if it, you know, if it idle overnight for like twelve hours or something, you would get the light, you know, do a regener before you drive it. So, so it must be getting pretty dirty. So I'm trying to milk it along there. How many miles are on it? Uh, Six hundred and sixty right now. I don't know if the previous okay. owner did it or not. I would probably think not because it came through. MHC in Gainesville, so they probably didn't do a thing to it. So, put a smile on it, and push it out the door. <laughs> It'd probably be worthwhile then. Yeah, we had, we had a definitely come on yeah. in the spring, if not soon. Yeah, I'd, yeah, I'd come up there as soon as you get that tune done. I'll be right up there, and you know, when I do the tune, should I also do the overhead before the tune? It doesn't really matter. If it over if you don't know when the overhead was last done, that's a real easy overhead to do on that. You should just do it. Uh, that's a, yeah. That's, I would rather have you guys do it. I, I just want to have you do everything, and get it done with, so I don't have any other issues. Because twenty one more payments on this baby, and it's gone out the door. I'm going to say, see ya, and I'm all right. Going to retire. <laughs> so okay. So. Then I, then I can go up snowmobile riding with Bruce and everybody then every year and a half. There you go. Or <laughs> <laughs> so we come to Florida and jet ski with you. Yeah, there you go. Let's try to squeeze another one in here. We're off to New York. Kevin, welcome to the program. Hey, how are we doing, lads? Uh, can you hear me? Yep, go ahead. What's yeah. on your mind? Hello, can you hear me? We can. Uh, you got to be getting me. Yep. All right, Kevin, we're going to have to pass because we're running out of time here. I want to get another call in. We are off to Ohio. Tad, welcome to the program. Hey, guys. What's on your mind today? Hey, Tad. Hey, John. Uh, Apologies. I didn't mean to blow up your phone this weekend. (laughs) <laughs> that was all right. I don't mind. <laughs> hey, uh, I just got. I got. I got. I'll make this quick. Um, like I said, I'm done. I got you on the schedule. You, you, you're. I know you're you actually going to come in this time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to come in. I, I try to say this. But okay. Hey, I got a question for you. The two lines, because when I was in there, the uh, clutch break, like I was telling you, how the guy didn't snap the pin together is beyond me. But thank God we were able to save the other one. He didn't have to put a new one in. Everything's good on that. Um. 
I know as I had a small, I need to know those lines that run back to the DEF tank, does coolant go through those lines? Are those like uh, those have coolant or electricity? Coolant. Coolant. Yeah, those have okay, yeah, those good. have they have both. They have both, yeah. Yeah, they have heaters and coolant lines. Some they, do, yeah. They yeah, have electric cause, heaters cause, and yeah. Because yep. what happened is because uh, I noticed my coolant had been down and I've never had to add coolant and right above the battery box where they have a metal clamp. I've got a pinhole or something because it's leaking right there, and I'm and the guy's trying to tell me that was my coolant leak. But um, my question being to you is that something that pull off the coating and we can put a, a quick connect in, or do you got to replace the whole line? It depends. We might be able to to fix it. I'm pretty sure we fixed your because uh, you got a, you had a you had a broken wire in one at one point. We I know we fixed it. Right. Um, right. So. Would have to look at it, Dad. I, I can't answer that uh, off the top of my I mean, head. It's, I mean, it's not it's not leaking a lot. It's just leaking right where they have it in the clamp. I should be all right. Um, and I'll get off right. the line here, but um, I, I'll see you next year. But uh, I guess I'm. I guess yeah. I got kicked out of the fuel. I guess I got kicked out of the fuel mileage club, huh? No. You know, where where are you right Steve, now? The Steve is the man, huh? Well, through all my problems, <laughs> with the, with, with, I, I, want, I want the electric rear end. What the hell? How come I got 86? Okay, we'll, put, we'll put you on the list, too. <laughs> hey, but right now, be, uh... even, even though I had all my regen problems, my 30 days just at 8.7, my 60 days at 9.5, and my uh, 90 day is at 8.8, so I'm still maintaining decent mileage with the regen problems I've had, but I'll get back up You're there You're doing again. good, yeah. And you, uh, yeah, well, he actually shows up when I put him on the schedule. Oh, oh, oh there okay. you go. There you go. That's the difference right there. All right, guys, I got to cut everybody loose. We're all out of time. We're going to do it again real soon, though. Stay tuned. Check out the website. It's letstruck.com. We'll see you next time. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford. All right, we're going to start a second hour. Here we go. Your money, your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs. Back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is Let'sTruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. Today is the Power Hour. I've got the guys from Pittsburgh Power with me, and we'll take your calls and answer your questions about everything maintenance. Engines, performance, fuel mileage, 
modifications, upgrades, troubleshooting, electrical emissions, new technology, you name it. We'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and call. We're going to get to those calls in a little bit. I want to welcome the guys back. We've got Bruce and Ethan and John. Welcome, guys. Thank you for having us, Kevin. Thanks, Kevin. Good to be here. Always good to be here, Kevin. All right. Uh, Anything we want to start with, or should we get to calls today? I think we ought to get right to the calls. All right. Let's do that. Let's uh, let's start off in Indiana. Matt, welcome to the program. Hey, guys. Um, hey, John. I'm the guy, Matt, 2002 Freightliner hey, Century, 11-1-D. Yep, yep. How hey, how's it going today? Yep. Good. Good. Hey, uh, can I get some contact information, email or something? I'm going to send you some oil analysis and set up an appointment. Uh I don't know if you remember. I had we were debating when I called about two months ago whether or not I had a uh, uh, fuel dilution. Well, I'm not. I've had three oil analysis confirmed that Caterpillar, and uh, I bought some from you, Kevin. And I'm getting oil. Sh- I'm I'm sharing oil. So this is your department. I'm wondering if I can send you some oil analysis and some history, and then I'll set up an appointment with you guys probably in December. Yeah, send me, email me your stuff, uh, john at pittsburghpower.com. Oh, that's simple enough to remember. All right, I won't write yeah, it down. Yeah, yeah that's easy. Okay. Yeah, that um, and yeah I, I know we were we were concerned last time. Did we, we replaced your, uh, your oil cooler, didn't we? That's correct. And you checked the bottom yeah, bearings uh, yeah. and the thrust washers. I, 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 I guess you checked the thrust washers since you were there because of copper. And it's time to deal with this. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's in that spacer on the turbo we talked about. Um, but uh, I just sort of been riding it out. I got a regular customer and been slamming busy and just keeping the oil viscosity up by adding some Lucas to it when it gets down after 15,000 miles. Um, right. Quick question. Um, I'm getting the big main question I'm calling about is I'm diving into a project here probably next week. Uh, all my power to my bunk went out, and I guess this is a question for Ethan. There's four plugs right there on the fuse panel, you know, the big, the big wires that come in there, and one of them's an ISO wire. I determined that's the one I need to figure out. It's reading 14 volts when the truck's running, of course, um, and then you've got two fuses in there, a 60-amp and a 40-amp, 40 40-amps 40 for the cab, 60-amps for the bunk. Uh I um, micrometered it, and it's showing 14 volts. But when I plug that fuse in, which is working, I confirmed that by plugging it into the 40-amp slot, and the cab still worked. But when I sort of pressed it in part of the way, I was only reading 0.2 volts on both sides of the fuse. And also at the ISO plug, it was showing 0.2 volts. Um, I, before I started pulling that panel up and started looking around, can you give me any direction on that? <laughs> Just uh, well, maybe save myself a little bit of time. Uh, there's going to be some digging involved there, but when I remember they're, they're notorious for getting water into them. Um, so I'd make sure that it's not all corroded in there because we've seen one of those here once before and it was, the fuse was just full of water to the panel. 
I didn't see any water down there, but that doesn't mean it's not like up underneath or, you know, you flip it overside and you see it down there. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. Okay. They're notorious for that. And it could be that the, the contacts are all corroded on the backside. Yeah, okay. And that, that's kind of what I was thinking. Um, well, if I don't find out about it, you know, I'm only going to spend so much time. I'll We'll be doing two projects at once in Pittsburgh next month, per, you know, um, but okay. Well, that's all I had today, and I appreciate all you guys do all the information you put out through, you know, the radio show, websites, Facebook, and even moving out. I like reading the articles. I've been reading those for years, Bruce, and I appreciate all you do. Thank you. And don't forget Ten Four Magazine, also. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. We're uh, we're gonna head off to another call. We're off to Missouri this time. Daryl, welcome to the program. Hey guys, I got uh, had to put a new ECM on the Volvo, and I'm retiring that one and putting it on a KW. Okay, if I send you the ECM to get it tuned again, do we have to do the switch over from Volvo to Kenworth, and can you do that? Yes, we can do it, but it's best to have the truck. Uh, It's one of those things where the multiplexing in the Volvo is much more complicated typically than what the Kenworth would require. Um, It's just how they wire the truck. And there are two different things, and there's multiple configurations for both of them. Okay. Well, like I said, it's kind of a spare. going to end up being a spare ECM, and I thought, well, I'll just send that one off. And, but I didn't know if you needed the, the truck or whether it, you guys could do it without. So, uh, mostly I think they we can it get it. Just, yeah, we, we can mostly get it pretty close. A uh, few things right. might be off a little bit without seeing the truck in person on that one. I'll be playing, you know, uh, about 100 questions with you in that case to be able to figure <laughs> out most of it. Right. Okay, the other question is, how do you store an engine for three or four years that you're going to overhaul later? Well, are you in a humid climate? Well, in Missouri, you know, it's going to be Missouri, in a yeah, where you building. Have, but. You you have so, humidity. You want to spray it down with a cosmoline type deal, and okay. it'd be nice to pull the injectors out and get some twenty W fifty oil and shoot in there and turn it over by hand into the injector hole. That would be nice to do that. Right, I would put. Are a, we better I'd off to, to leave it where we can start it up every once in a while, or is that batteries going to be a problem? You didn't do it every week, so... Yeah, I don't think that's necessary, but it would be nice to get oil in on the cylinder walls. If you were in Arizona or Colorado or New Mexico, I'd say no, but being you are in Missouri, it would be nice to be able to fog the engine. Another way you can fog it... uh, I'm trying to think of who makes that fog... You spray into the intake while the engine's running. And some of them, I think, we would spray it in until the engine would actually stall. But yeah, I use, uh, we, we fog our race engines with uh, Marvel Mystery Oil all the time. You put it in a, Just put it in a spray bottle and mist it with the engine idling. You, 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 on the 
on your engine, you'd have to take the intake off while you ran it and spray it into each port while it's idling, and you spray it heavier and heavier until the engine nearly stalls or it smokes an awful lot, and then shut it down while it's still smoking. It'll coat the inside of the uh, cylinder walls quite well. So that's the mystery oil, is that what you call it? Mar- regular old Marvel mystery oil. Yep, you get it anywhere. Marvel, okay. So, yeah. Does it do any good? To fill the pan fuller of oil while it's sitting around, or is that just no? Just, just have new oil be in it. That's all. Okay. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. You're welcome. We're gonna jump into another call here. We're off to Arkansas. Mike, welcome to the program. Well, hello. How you doing? Good. What's on your mind today? I have a, a small vibration. I don't know if it's driveline related, but it's more of like a hum. It's like rum, 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 and it does it between 55 and 62. If you go faster, you go 63 or higher, it goes away, or if you go under 55, it goes away. And you can just slightly feel it in the shifter. And the, it's a, I just had a U-joint replaced probably about you know, 50,000, 60,000 miles ago, and I don't know if it started from that, but the driveline itself has about 650,000 on it. Well, you know where I would start. I would start with the drive shaft. And, I, you know, if you put it in the neutral and let it coast, it goes away. And then you put it back in gear and it comes back. Yeah. So I would start with the I got a question on the vibrate the damper on the engine. The engine is a cat out of frame, and it's got a just shy four hundred thousand miles. And I got a brand new one from you guys, uh, uh, vibration damper. Uh, but it's been sitting under the bunk for three and a half years. Is, is this still going to be good, even though it's been sitting? Uh, We will get back to that right after this. Time does matter with those, but uh, we'll talk about that right after this. Stick around. This is the Power Hour. I'm Kevin Rutherford. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. I've got Bruce and John and Ethan with me. We're going to get right back to the calls. We were talking to uh, Mike in Arkansas. Bruce, I'll let you address the uh, damper. He's had it for three years, not installed. I, uh, 
on a dampers, we tell people 500,000 or 10 years. Now, if you've had a damper that's just been sitting and it could sit for years, it's still going to be good because what makes the silicone get hard is the Teflon bearings inside or the Teflon that's sprayed on the steel ring that goes around. They call it a bearing. But as the Teflon wears off, it impregnates the silicone, then the silicone gets hard. But if you've had it sitting for three years, that damper's perfect. Just so long as okay, nobody's dropped it. If, if somebody drops it, then... then oh, no, it's then never you, been dropped. It's just been sitting out of my bunk. Okay. All right, <laughs> that's good then. All right, that's all I have. Thank you, guys. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Um, Bruce, you know, if uh, if we're going down the road and this is happening in that speed range and we get the vibration in that certain speed range, but we put it in neutral um, and it goes away, wouldn't that almost seem like it has to be engine because it's the RPMs changing? Well, keep in mind, we still have the drive shaft turning because the differential's turning and you're not putting any force on the drive shaft. Okay. But it's very hard for an engine. Uh, and I keep thinking back in the days when the big cams first came out in late 77, 78, and they were breaking rocker arms, not rocker arms, cam followers uh, would be breaking. We would take the push rods out and let the guys run to Chicago and back with a load of steel on five cylinders and still didn't have the vibration. They would be down about three to four pounds of turbo boost. But that's all. They said, hey, the truck still ran good. Hmm. So even with a dead cylinder, you don't get that kind of harmonics passing through. It seems like it has to be something that's turning. Got it. All right. Let's, John, uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Go ahead. Oh, I'm, I'm on the drive shaft uh wagon there the way that the way universal joint works kevin if the shaft goes out of, out of phase if it's twisted up over the years it doesn't provide power smoothly uh, a universal joint is not a constant velocity joint so if the joints aren't perfectly in phase uh it won't provide smooth power to actually accelerate and decelerate so when you get a power sensitive uh vibration Either you've got a twist in the in the drive shaft, a worn U joint, which also inevitably puts it out of phase, or they might not be aligned properly too, which is another issue, which will give you a power only uh, power sensitive vibration like that. And it's technically not a vibration. What it's actually doing is accelerating and decelerating uh, the rear end, basically. So you're not providing smooth power. It actually goes faster, slower, faster, slower every time it goes around. So that's uh, so I'm I'm going for drive shaft, especially at six hundred fifty thousand miles. Interesting. All right, I wow, John, you impressed I, me. I learned something hey, today. Hey, I Kevin, love that. You impressed me on that one. <laughs> I <Yeah>. know. <laughs> I know. I, I, I like that. Let's give credit where credit's due. That was uh, I. I, I have done a whole lot of driveline work on things that go really fast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I get it. <laughs> well, good. Good. I like that. Let's uh, let's go to. Missouri. Calvin, welcome to the program. Hey, guys. Hey, Kevin, where did you come up with that negative exhaust tip for the weed burners? I've never found one. I was curious where you found that one at. You know, I I was in the Freightliner dealer here in Portland, and I was just wandering through their parts department, and I saw this weird exhaust stack tip with, um, so for the people who don't know what we're talking about, 
um, where the exhaust comes up the very tip, they took the, think of the circle if you're looking down on the exhaust, you have 360 degrees. They cut the back 180 degrees out, like maybe four or five inches down, so kind of like a notch out of the very top. And the idea was that the air flowing past that forward 180 degrees creates a vacuum right there, just like we do at the back of a trailer. But at the back of a trailer, it causes us problems because it's pulling us backwards. Here, that vacuum created is actually pulling the exhaust out. So as soon as I looked at it, it kind of clicked why they did it. Uh, but I haven't seen them anywhere else. I've never seen them in uh, anywhere. I haven't seen any articles about it. I just it was in the Freightliner Parts Department here in Portland, and that was probably yeah, I have looked three, for three or four and years ago. Find anything on the web? You know, it'd be easy to make one. So you're going to find that for it's it's for uh, the more modern trucks. Uh, some of them with the, the regen, they have the. The air that flows through, so it actually creates a bit of a what they call a jet pump. So it'll actually create a vacuum on the side of that to pull some cold air out with the exhaust as it's flowing out. So that was something for a modern-ish truck, something that uh, that it would have to regen from time to time. So take a look around for that. You you see them on pickup trucks. There's you'll see the actual they'll have an air inlet, uh, and you you and they'll run the exhaust through a nozzle basically. And what it does is creates uh, what's called a jet pump. So there'll be a negative pressure behind that. It'll pull cool air through it. But like Kevin said, if you've got it out in the air stream, it'll do the opposite. It'll, it'll create a vacuum on the on the exhaust tip, and it should help pull the exhaust through. That's a, that's a clever idea. We talked about that in the previous show, experimenting with different wind uh, weed burners with some sort of uh, air to help pull the exhaust through. Yeah, I missed last week's show. Um, did I, you I, don't, get that I don't remember. Well, it might have been a year ago. Oh, I did not. So uh, I just I was I was actually emailing you back. Uh, I never made it to SEMA. That that was not in the realm of possibility with everything else that was going on here. I am going to meet with those guys at uh, the PRI show in December. Uh, they weren't quite ready for us yet anyway. So okay. I'm going to drive out to PRI December, I think, 8th or 9th and meet up with them there. That's uh, the big industry trade show there in uh, in Indianapolis for the motorsport industry. But they're going to be there with uh, – with, uh, they're going to have a display there. So if you're around, if you want to meet up with me there, that'd be fine. Yeah, that's not far from you. Okay. No, I ain't too far. I'll just tell hey, you what's uh, running. I, I haven't heard from you in a while. I get a little nervous when I don't hear from you. <laughs> no, I've been, I've been. I've just been. Well, I took like three weeks off there in October. My mother and father-in-law was gone, and so we had to run the dog business on our own. But uh, well, okay. I finally found that pop popping noise in the front end. It was a steering bushing on the drive sh- on the shaft was popping, and they finally figured it out. <clears throat> but okay. anyways, it was loose from the factory. One of the million things that right. was loose from the factory on this truck. But anyways, um, any any word from your I, buddy at Cummins on the oil analysis yet? I sent you that email. Did you not get it? I got that one. Yeah, but he was going to compare it with some others. I haven't heard back from him. I was thinking about calling him this afternoon and seeing what uh, if he'd done it yet. Okay. Good deal. Yeah, but she's uh, still running all right. Yeah, yeah, I haven't had no check engine lights, nothing. Last tank was okay, eight good. two three, so and <laughs> That's I was awesome. in Pennsylvania and back, so So guys, this is this is Calvin Hicks. He's got a X fifteen. He's the one that we struggled a little bit to make the Dorothy work on. We built a bigger higher flow model for it. 
And this engine, this truck, it's uh, you know, it's a brand new truck, but it overproduced. It uh, what that thing do? Like five fifty to the ground? Yeah, it was a really good running. Uh, the, the dot, yeah, five forty two. Okay, I, yeah, I short. I was. And it's uh, rated. It, it's a uh, five eighteen fifty. Yeah, so it's rated at five hundred eighteen fifty. All we did was put the Dorothy on it. I don't know that we account for any of that or not, but the uh, the truck runs great. I mean, for uh, for a bone stock, you know, off the shelf truck, it's a, it's a gorgeous truck. And you're doing what eight point two right now? Yeah, my last tank was eight and a quarter, and I mean, I ran in eight and a quarter. You know, last week up there at Erie, I was running in snow, so I ran in snow up uh, yeah. uh, Cleveland all the way to Pittsburgh or uh, Erie, but. Uh, yeah, it's running good. It's just you know, and oh, I got your, I got the full tilt exhaust manifold or intake manifold. Excuse yeah. me, intake also. manifold also. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's only two mods right now, but uh, you know, yeah. again, we're talking about off the shelf trucks doing things we only dreamed of a few years ago. Uh, pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah, it runs good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm satisfied. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, well, we'll yeah, find you a little more. Don't worry. Yeah, there, there, there's more coming. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. So, uh, but hey, if you want to, uh, I will. I could get you credential, no problem. If you want to get in there, it's uh, you, it's it's not an open to the public show, so it's uh, you, you need to prove that you're somehow in the in the business, and I could I could do that for you. Okay. Okay. I'm. A, hey, you want me to try to get Tony to meet us up there from Cummins? Sure. Yeah. That yeah. That'd be really cool if you wanted to. Yeah, I'd love to meet him. Okay, cool. Just send me the uh, email me, and I'll might try to be up there, and then I'll try to get. I'll him send you the date yeah. at least. Okay. Okay, cool. Sounds good. Thank you, John. All right, Calvin. All right, thanks. Bye. All right, we uh, we're heading into a break, so I'll take us into the break. When we come back, we'll get to more of your calls and questions. Stick around. This is the Power Hour. Check out the website. It's letstruck.com. If you don't have our app yet for listening to the show, you should get it. It's free. It's simple. It does one thing. It does it really well. You open up the app and you can listen to all of our shows. You can listen live while we're doing a show or you can listen while we're recording a show or all the shows are there forever. You can listen to them whenever you want. Go to uh, your app store and search for Audio Road, one word, A-U-D-I-O-R-O-A-D. Search for Audio Road, download the app, and start listening. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. All right, so uh, quick heads up. We, uh, we only have two questions on the line, and I have two more segments. So we'll either finish up these questions and wrap it up, or I'll give you some time right now to jump in because uh, we could fit in a few more calls here. If you want to get in with anything, go ahead and press 1 on your phone right now. We'll get to you. Here we go.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. We're going to get right back to the phone calls. We're off to Ohio. Steve, it's your turn. Welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for the uh, show, guys. Appreciate it. Um, probably got a a uh, question for Ethan. Um, Ethan, twice in the last two weeks, the inline fuse in the battery box, I think it goes to the ECM, um, has failed, and then, of course, the truck just turns over and won't start when that happens, um, 15 amp. And uh, I'm, yeah, I'm thinking since it's happened twice in the last two weeks, I may have a loose wire somewhere. I don't know. I, I, is that the one that goes from the bat- battery straight to the ECM, the one that's the inline fuse there in the battery box? I have a Detroit Series 60 and a 2000 Volvo. Uh, yes, and the most likely cause for this one is that the wire has rubbed on the frame rail somewhere because it goes from okay. the battery box to the ECM. From there, it runs along the frame wet rail, and I've seen it where one guy pulled into the parking lot and turned the truck off, and it didn't turn back on. And we had to right. find the broken wire once we got it pulled inside, and that's what it was. It had rubbed on the frame rail right when it comes out of the battery box. So I would give that wire a real good following and look over from the battery box to the ECM. And it is possible just to make another one, which is what I've done in the past sometimes. Yeah, that's 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 probably what I'll do. I, I've got a I've got a trusted shop I'm gonna pull into. I'll, uh, uh, a trusted mechanic rather. Uh, in the next in the next day, I've got plenty of those fuses to put in there myself if it happens. Uh, but it's got the little, uh, you know, the little protector on it at the battery. But there again, when it goes across the frame rail, it may there may be a even a cut in that, and then like you said, the wire. So most likely there, but so it's most most likely not like the connection at the uh, ECM. It's most likely along the way. Then I'm that should be an easy one. Then hopefully, uh, <laughs> uh, just uh, like I said, because I'm always have to be on time. So. Uh, yeah. I had to put it in this morning myself. I put it in, and it worked. So, uh, But twice in two weeks, I know we got something happening. Yeah, it almost sounds like it's robbing at you know, random times. Yeah. I, I had the All righty. All same, right. same truck, same engine, same problem, and mine was actually where the wire went into the little eyelet that, that screwed onto the battery, where you crimp it, <laughs> where you crimp oh, okay. it right there. Yeah. So you yeah, couldn't I, see anything. I've seen I, that once. I, yep. I traced that wire everywhere, couldn't find where it was Wait. rubbing, and I just happened to be playing around with it while the engine was running, and when I grabbed that eyelet to check for something, it stalled. So I started it up, jiggled that eyelet again, and I could make <laughs> it stall every time. That's what we okay. call the jiggle test. Yeah, that, it worked. <laughs> It does, yeah. Very good, man. All right. Well, thank you. That was that was easy today for y'all. All right. Thanks for the call. <laughs> Let's head off to Kentucky. Chad, welcome to the program. Hey, guys. I uh, heard a show a while back. I was listening to you. Y'all said the, uh, when it comes to the ISX Cummins, the, the one to get is the 3939 serial number because it, like, performs better than all the others. Have you guys found out if the same number will if they're going to do this on the on the new X if uh, the thirty nine thirty nine is the big the big motor to go with or or uh, maybe I'm not had a chance to find that out yet. 
Yeah, they would have changed the CPL because the 3939 goes with the 2350X101. So the new one uh-huh. will have a different CPL, and I don't know what they are off the top of my head. Okay. All right. So if I could, I you think I could call Cummins and find that information out? Yeah, yeah. Or if you're talking to one of the uh, truck dealers, they, they might know or be able to find out, or they may not know. It all depends on their, their level of knowledge there on it. Uh, now, have you guys tuned A3939 yet? Yeah, yeah, for the X101, we have. What, what, kind of, what kind of numbers were you getting out of that on the dyno? Oh, we're getting about a six and a quarter there for the high and between 2,000 and 2,200 foot-pounds, depending on where we set it there. They, they tend to respond really nice, too. Um, they just they just feel okay. better on the road. They just they seem to be the good CPL number for the Cummins. Okay. All right, then, guys, I'll continue listening to the show. Thanks for everything. Now, Ethan, was that well, six and a quarter to the ground? Yes. Yep. Yeah, so those are strong. Those, those come out nice. That's about yep. 740 flywheel. Yep. Yeah, we've had a lot of luck with that one, Bruce. That's uh, that, That's one of our best. And what year is and that? They're right around 2,000 pound feet of to- torque, right? Yeah, someone gets about 22 even. 22, yeah, yeah 2,000, 22, yep. At 3939 well. CPL, what what year is that engine? Oh, uh, 14? Yeah, 14, 15, right in that range. Okay. That's healthy. So is that an X15? No, that's no. an X101. Okay. So that's the, the previous year yeah. generation. All right, let's head off to Pennsylvania. Daniel, welcome to the program. Uh, good evening. Um, I have got two different size fuel tanks on my truck. One's a 140 on the driver's side, and the other side is a 150. It has the that Equiflow style of fuel supply and return lines. Uh and I'm wondering how much of a difference does it make if the lines from the junction block in the middle behind the transmission to each side tank don't appear to be the same length? Is that a big deal, or are you getting equal uh, fuel distribution to each tank? Oh, well, I almost think that I'm losing out on at least 10 gallons of fuel usage. Because one's a 150, one's a 140. You know, they. I asked them why, and they say, "Oh, well, it's space issues." But there's no DEF tank to get in the way, and I didn't kind of understand. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I don't have a comment. So you've on got that, a 140 and a 150. So that's a, you're you're losing out on 20 gallons, probably not, uh, or 30. Yeah. Well, thirty if I had a one fifty, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that and, and eventually, I'd like that. to. I, I would definitely like to put a one fifty in there, and right. I also want to go with the fast system. But when I do that, I was uh, it's my understanding that those lines have to be equal. So they they yeah. should be equal, but in your situation, it's never going to return evenly because they're two different sized tanks. I don't know how that's going to work. Huh. That that's an interesting that's an interesting problem. What kind of truck is it? Or maybe a horse. I, I got to figure that yep. out. 
2017 Freightliner Cascadia. Hmm. It's a glider kit, but I don't think that particular one matters because it's not really engine. It's the way the truck was built. Right, right. The passenger side draws... The passenger side uh, where you fill it up is actually underneath the passenger side door, and the lines route from the front side of the tank, whereas on the driver's side, you fill up at the back uh, where the fairing is, and that line seems to go more rearward towards the back side of that tank, as if they took two passenger tanks and just threw one over on this side and then the same over on there, but a different size. Hmm. That's interesting. It's a quirky truck. <laughs> My answer would be a crossover tube. My <laughs> 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 old Peterbilt would never return even like that. It had a uh, a uh, B model cat in it and had the, those goofy four dash four return lines, and it would only ever fill up or or pull from one tank. And I just gave up and put a piece of dash ten across with the like the like old school with a couple <laughs> ball valves on it, and it was fine. <laughs> Nice. I never had a problem again. <laughs> Might be the way to fix it. Well, hopefully, yeah, we'll, uh, I think get that issue took care of soon. Yep. Well, I appreciate you guys, and y'all have a good one. All right. Okay, you too. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. We are going to head to a break. I'm looking at the clock. I'll take us into the break, and we'll come back on the other side. We'll get some more of your calls and questions, so don't go away. Check out the website. It's letstruck.com. If you haven't looked at our courses yet, you should do that. We have uh, four courses available right now. We're continuing to build new courses all the time. We're gonna, these, these are online courses. They have video. They have audio. They have worksheets. Very interactive. We've had uh, over a 1,000 people take these courses already. So head on over and check it out. Go to the website, letstruck.com. Look under Let's Truck University. You'll see the courses. Keep checking back. We're going to be adding them. We're focusing on uh, four major areas, business, money, health, and maintenance as well. We'll be building courses in all of those areas. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. We're down to the final segment. We're going to get right back to the phone calls. We're off to New Mexico this time. Mark, welcome to the program. Hello, gentlemen. We're looking at an oil sample. 
We are. Uh, DD15, what year is this? 2011. Uh, the mileage on the oil is 9,727.44, and the uh, engine is 715.544. All right. So, uh, what you've got Shell Rotella 1540. Any additives like Lucas? No, sir. Uh, I'm a little confused then. Um, let me keep looking here. Ooh, um, silicon jumped way up. Silicon's at 15. We're getting some dirt in the engine somewhere. Soot is actually climbing, which is unusual for a DD-15. Two oil samples ago, we were down to less than 0.1. Now we're up at 1.3 which isn't horrible, but it tells us something's going on. And the other thing that's interesting is viscosity has gone all the way to 17, but I don't see any real reason why. Um, Any ideas, John? I think the silicon will do that. I I think that uh, basically dirt and oil is going to thicken it up. That that might be what's happening. How's the oxidation no, getting hot? Does it look like it's flashing off at all? Uh, you know, it's it's steadily climbing. It's up to 24. I still don't think that should be causing any real problems. No. No, not quite What's enough. the iron? What's, um, what's the iron content? Uh, you know, the iron's at 66, but he's got 69,000 miles on the oil. So that And it's a nice, steady climb. You know, 23, 45, 66... He's going up about 20 points every 20,000 miles, which is pretty normal. Uh, That may change now with all that dirt in there. He may start to see excessive. Uh, Actually, what the wear metal that concerns... That'll that'll accelerate for sure. Yeah, the the wear metal that concerns me really is aluminum's up to 15. And copper up to 9. Well, there's no lead. The aluminum's pretty high, actually. I think I'd be draining that oil right now. Yeah, I would too. I agree. I have. Uh, have you ever replaced uh, at seven hundred fifty thousand miles? Have you ever replaced the rocker box on this engine? Yes, sir. You have. Okay, you've been through that already. Okay, that was my concern because those are prone to cracking. So I thought maybe. Yeah, and as far as the dirt, last time I cleaned the uh, fleet air filter, the. Um the uh, foam had fell down in there, and uh, so I don't know if that's a problem. I should order some new foam, uh, have some more flexibility, but it actually had fallen away from the wall of the uh, the frame. Hmm. Okay, so, hmm. so it wasn't sealed up. Yeah, it wasn't sealed up properly, yeah. I've never had that happen or heard of it happening. No, I, I was... Uh, yeah, that's it was really weird. I guess I just have, you know, I, I've had it since day one, so I should, uh, I guess I better order some new foam. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I Change would, your oil. I, I would get that oil out of there, and I would figure out where the dirt's coming from because I think it is the silicon causing the, uh, the other issues we're seeing. Let's go to Illinois. Steve, welcome to the program. Hi there. Um, I got it. DD-15, 375,000 miles on it, very, very low idle time. 
you think I should have the TPF or TEF filter cleaned? Not if it's not asking you to. I've only done, I've driven the truck the whole time. I've only, it's only regen five times since I've had it. I, and is there a way, because other people, other dealers have said, oh, you mean, you're lucky that you've even gotten this far. Is there a way that I can, how easy is it for me to take the filter on myself and take it into a place to be quote unquote cleaned? Uh, how many miles do you have on this now? Three hundred seventy-five thousand five. Three seventy-five. You're fine. I would. Uh, that is an incredibly clean-running engine. If you're not idling, and depending on you know where you run and how you run, if it's always under a fairly heavily heavy load, that thing's going to keep itself pretty clean. Uh, there are actually two of them in there. You've got you've got two DPFs uh, as part of the one box. They go right across the top of it, uh, and I would. Uh, I'd keep running it till it gave you a problem, and the prices come down on those to the degree that I don't think it's worth cleaning them. I would just replace them whenever uh, when when they start when you start showing some soot load. But you'll get uh, if you come by here, we can plug in with the with the computer, and we can actually get a reading on that. There's a calculation. If, uh, if go ahead. Company truck southern one over there is trying. I'm just going around right. I'm trying to pick at your expertise. Try. Uh oh, Steve, you're you're cutting out too much. I'm gonna have to. You're cutting out on us. Yeah, I'm getting every other word, and we're we're gonna run out of time. We're gonna head off to Pennsylvania. Walter, welcome to the program. Hello, hello, hello. What's on your mind today? Hello, guys, today. Good, good. How are you? Ah, well. The uh, the gentleman with the uh, oh the engine problem said he had a gallon of Lucas to uh, thicken the oil. Uh, some of the guys in the southwest over there, and they're adding like uh, seventy five ninety weight, uh, because uh, uh, basically the the high heat starts thinning out the oil. Wouldn't wouldn't that be better for uh, that gentleman's uh, engine rather than thinning out uh, all the uh, Oh, the chemical protectants and stuff like that that's already in his oil? Well, wait a minute. I, I don't. Did I miss something? Who they put, used, they're putting 90 weight gear oil in the engine? That's horrible. Yeah, 75, 90. Uh huh. Yeah. But that that's that would really thicken dumb. up the oil, wouldn't it not? Why? We don't want to thicken it. It would, up but the there's oil. a whole bunch of other stuff in yeah. there. Yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, Kevin. Hey, I was, yeah, it'll definitely thicken up the oil. That's the problem. Why would we ever want to thicken up the oil that much? I mean, once in a while, you'll hear me recommend Lucas as an additive just as a stopgap. Somebody either has an old worn-out engine, they're trying to get a little more miles, a few more miles out of it, or we have fuel dilution. But even then, we have to be careful because Lucas will thicken it, but it has no additives, so it does dilute the additives in the oil, and we've we've got to watch that. But I'm certainly, I don't want to dump 75 or 90 weight in. Yeah, he's Mm. he's referring to Matt, uh, he's referring to Matt's call. Matt had been running a little bit of Lucas because he seems to be losing, um, I don't know if he's losing base or we're showing some oxidation in his oil kind of rapidly as if it's being sheared for some reason. So we may have a tight bearing somewhere in his engine or something like that, but that's just to keep the... uh, just to try to try to keep the base number up a little bit, or keep the uh, the, the oxidation down a touch. 
so that was uh, just tried to add a little bit of little bit of uh, substance to it there, just because he he's compensating for a problem. Uh, so you know right. he's losing that 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 number's dropping a little quickly, so he's compensating for that. But generally, we don't really need to thicken the oil. I'm a big fan of very thin oil personally. It's just incredibly inefficient. And modern oils uh, have great film strength and don't need to be thick anymore. So that thick oil is doing nothing but robbing horsepower. So even if you're out in the hot uh, desert, wherever, I mean, the modern, uh, you know, the oil coolers and the, the, the heating, you know, the systems in the engine are going to control the oil temp. And the modern oils are good to 300 degrees. I, I, we get guys who call and freak out about their oil going to 225 and stuff, which is really not at all a problem. But, uh, yeah, so it's really nothing you'd ever want to do. And definitely don't ever put gear oil in an engine. That stuff is loaded with uh, You've got sulfur in there. You've got things in there that you yeah. do not want going through your engine. If that's the other thing I was going to go to, that, you know, Lucas is pretty neutral. In fact, with Lucas, if you have a low base issue, you don't want to put Lucas in because it doesn't have any base. It's actually lowering the base amount because it's diluting it. If we wanted base, we could either throw one oh, okay. of the, uh, the Luberfiner filters, have a line that's preloaded with base, uh, that's the best way I've found to get base back up. In fact, if you have two filters, two oil filters, only use one of the preloaded lubrifiers. Two actually makes the base go too high. There's that much base in them. So that's a quick, easy way to get your base hmm. back up. But Lucas will do the opposite. It'll dilute the base down further. But my concern, not only like you, John, with that 70, 90, 75, 90 weight making it thick, which we don't want, there's going to be all kinds of stuff in there that's not designed for a diesel engine. Yeah, a high poly gear oil does not belong in an engine. Uh, definitely not. Yeah, <laughs> so it's so, just not going to happen. Hey, yeah. what do, what is Luberfiner using in the filter for to increase base? Are they using uh, clay bases or what, what's 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 in there? Do you know? I don't know. You know, it's pretty simple stuff. I've told people you can crush up Rolades and throw it in your crankcase and do the, do about the same thing. Not that I recommend <laughs> that, but it. Uh, you know, that's really all it is is a, an acid neutralizer. But I'm not sure which. There's lots of things you can use. Uh, but the Luberfiner filters, we've been tracking it on people who do really long extended drains and they don't have a lot of oil consumption. So their base ends up depleting. And the easiest fix we found is just throw one of those Luberfiners on it, brings it right back up. With that said, I've got to get out of here. We are all out of time. We'll do it again. Thanks for joining us. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey. I'm Kevin Rutherford. All right, everybody, thanks. We'll see you back here tomorrow for Destination Health. Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye.